name is Jen Cole, owner of Backspace Media and community manager for Social Media Examiner. You can find me at Jen Cole ICT, and this is Making a Marketer. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Glau, and I'm currently serving the International Society for Technology and Education as the Attendee Experience Manager, and you can find me at Elizabeth Glau, and we are Making a Marketer. Hello, hello, this is Megan Powers at Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, hosting a show today on event marketing. show that we did episode five was uh, Nick and Alex talking about a lot of social media stuff to do with marketing. Today we're going to talk with two awesome guests on episode six about event marketing but um, more of a unique uh, approach and a, and a different kind of event um, than, than you see these days. So I'm super excited uh, to introduce them but in the meantime I want to mention of course our wonderful sponsors. We Our sponsors are brought to you by Convergent AV Radio and the sponsors of Convergent AV Radio are Zoom, the number one video conferencing and web conferencing services. Find out more at zoom.us. Sonic Foundry Media Site, they're the global leader for video capture management and streaming solutions. And TierPM, your AV IT solutions partner. Find out more at tierpm.com. TierPM is the provider of hot jobs on most of our AV live shows, which is another one of Convergent's um, podcasts. So. I am excited to have our two guests here today. Uh, I know them in, in different ways, but we have similar um, backgrounds in terms of events in, in some ways. Um, Liz, I know from SEMA. Liz Lathan, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So uh, the Corporate Event Marketing Association is where I met Liz uh, many years ago. I want to say like probably 2008 or 2009 oh, or something. Don't say those numbers. <laughs> She's currently the program director, IBM analytics and hybrid cloud marketing events. She's also founding partner of Hot Dookie Mazo. Nicely new, done. Thank you. A new kind of event conference launched in May um, and happening again this December and we'll talk more about that. She's also the founder of CorporateEventMarketer.com which is dedicated to event marketing career advancement through online courses and career coaching. Awesome. And Nicole, and I, and you know, funny Nicole, I, I don't think I've ever said your last name out loud to you. Uh, Nicole Osibodu, did I get it? Ashi, yeah, it's Ashi, it's, it's Nigerian, Ashi, so it's, everybody struggles. It's okay. <laughs> I know, I know, but and it's funny because I meant to ask you before the show started, but um, I didn't have didn't have a chance. So, uh, she is uh, owner of Pink Pineapple Event Design, and a, a, a co-founder also of Hot Jokimazo. Um, and um, I met her after we both worked for AV Concepts, but she came in after me, um, and so we had mutual friends and. I think I met you at a, a little uh, party or something. So um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And uh, Nicole uh, was featured in the special events top 25 young event pros to watch the 2016 edition, which is exciting. And she believes that behind every amazing team is an amazing leader and visionary. And I'm guessing some of that comes into play within your uh, within your event, within this, this new um, exclusive kind of event that, that you guys have. I, um, it's funny because I, I totally, I uh, downloaded that image that you have on, on your Twitter, um, which explains what, what uh, it is exactly, like the definition of the words. So um, Liz, you wanna, do you want to tell us, uh, since I, I, I don't have that off the top, um, what, uh, what's the impetus behind the, the name of your event? Well, we thought if we were going to create a conference that was completely different and unique in the industry that we should just name it something completely insane. Because to be honest, it doesn't matter what anything's name is. Like my computer's named after a fruit. So nobody really cares about the name. It's just, let's do something cool. So we, I, I was, you know, Googling synonyms for everything. We started out, we were going to name it Event University, Y-O-U, like you, University, it's all about you. But that was just kind of cheesy. Um, and then I came across the word dokimazo, which sounds Japanese, but it's actually the Greek word for um, 
to try and prove that something is genuine or to experience something and prove that it's genuine. It's generally used for metals. It's actually in the Bible, I believe, but I just thought it was a really cool word and it just, it, it exemplified the idea of experimentation and not being afraid to fail with an event concept. Too many times in the event world, we overproduce things and there is just no room for failure. So where are you supposed to have a playground for ideas and technology and, and content? And so that's what we wanted the event to be. And then Nicole, being the fashionably elegant person that she is, she was like, hot, be <laughs> hot, man. So we named it Hot Dokimazo. Yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> Awesome. So was that, uh, so the impetus, you kind of gave us a little bit of insight of what you wanted the event to be. I mean, what, what was really, you know, what uh, motivated you to actually go out and just start an event um, on your own, not attached to any, any kind of other association? I don't know. I guess we were all just bored or had too much to drink or I don't know, but we were, we were hanging out at a SEMA conference one year, which is my favorite conference to go every year. I absolutely love the organization and the people. And we were just sitting around going, you know, this is, this is phenomenal, but I, I, the 10 minute coffee break is my favorite part where I actually get to talk to the other people and there's only three of them. So could we have a conference where it's like all coffee break and we could just spend the time doing true peer to peer and, and actually talking to each other. And I had run some unconferences at Dell. And when I left Dell, I went to another small company that ran unconferences and I was like, what, why don't we just try doing an unconference? And I had run an unconference session at SEMA before, and it was just a really phenomenal opportunity, but it was just three hours. I was like, that wasn't really enough time to, to kind of provide the whole experience. And a lot of the industry conferences are still very, I kind of define it as sharks and minnows, where it's 80% suppliers and 20% brands. And you kind of, you don't get to have a genuine conversation because brands feel like people are just looking at their badge and the suppliers feel like they got to make a sale and kept, capture a lead. And we wanted to just turn that whole experience around and offer the opportunity to share and be on the same playing field and actually have conversations. Yeah, that's great. Um, so in my experience, the, one of the most difficult parts in putting on an unconference is marketing it. Actually, let me rephrase, let me rephrase that. So one of the things that scares planners away from doing an unconference is because they think no one will come if there isn't, you know, a set lineup of speakers. Uh, oh, I need to prove what I'm going to learn there in order for me to you know, get my boss to pay for me to go. So talk a little bit about, you know, how you market it and um, or just advice that you have for planners that, that want to do it on conference. It, it is hard because so many people feel like they need to see an agenda in advance. And if you're going for training, it's true. You, I mean, you, you're, if, you need to know what the content's going to be so that you can get approval or funding or CEU credit. And I'll be honest, that's one of the things I'm struggling with, with the event industry council. I, I want to have it offer CEU certification credit, but they're like, well, without an agenda, we can't. So I think that's something for us to poke on a little bit more because the, the conversations and the education is so valuable. You should be able to get credit. And my, my point to them is after the conference, if I could then submit what the agenda was, could you then retroactively offer credit? So hopefully we can get there. Um, but what we do because of that is we keep the price really low because we're not trying to replace all the other industry conferences that event people are going to. There's value in all the stuff they're doing, but we just want to supplement that with the conversation. So we keep the price low. And then during the unconference piece, um, which maybe we should define an unconference. Should we start with that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, if you've never been to an unconference, the difference is there, there is no set agenda. So you show up on site and we put everybody in a big room and we give everybody like giant pink sticky notes and giant orange sticky notes. And on the pink sticky notes, you write down things that you are an expert at or an experience you've had or something you want to talk about or share or technology you know about. On the orange sticky notes, you talk about things that you want to learn about or something that you just have a question on or a problem you're trying to solve. And then the facilitators, those of us that are behind the scenes, create an agenda by matching the haves and the have nots and putting those sessions together. But we take our time creating that agenda and the time that we spend is where we send the attendees out to predetermined workshops. So they know for the $200 that they're spending, they're going to get three hours of content they knew about in advance. They can get continuing education credit at those, from those workshops. And we have three hours to build out the agenda based on matching people together and ensuring that people that we pick as facilitators are aware that they're about to facilitate a session. So that's kind of how we set it all up. 
some of my favorite sessions at MPI, and I don't think they do it anymore at WEC, is, was, have been unconference sessions where you go in and somebody writes on a big post-it a topic and then everyone kind of gravitates to what it is they'd like to talk about. And again, yeah, like the, those are the best conversations. Um, I mean, other than the, the coffee breaks and the, you know, the, the networking uh, situations where you get to chat with people. Um, those were like the most valuable, some of the most valuable. Yeah. Uh, content opportunity. And the best part about it is there's no guilt around if the conversation takes a turn for a direction you really didn't think it was going to go in, you can just, you vote with your feet. You get up and you go to another right. session and find yeah. another one. Whereas in a breakout session, as event people, we know that it feels rude. And so we're unwilling to stand up and walk out of a breakout session that wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And so that we remove that stigma in an unconference. Yeah. The law of two feet is the, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I like exactly. that. So Nicole, what, what surprised you the most um, the first time you guys went to do this when you, with the three hour, uh, time period of, of setting the agenda after everyone filled out the sticky notes. Um, I think, uh, what surprised me the most was it wasn't, well, and I shouldn't be a surprise. It was what we, what we hoped for and it happened. So that was a pleasant surprise, but it was just so natural. Nobody was, you know, um, felt like they had to lead the discussion as far as like, okay, I'm the speaker. And then you respond a little bit. It was just exactly like Liz said, that conversation you have in the hallway where it's not, it's, it's completely organic and it just happens naturally and everybody's adding into the conversation. And it wasn't about, you know, oh, this is what we do at my company. It was more about them as a person and their collective experience, um, you know, in their career coming, coming to light and talking about, you know, big picture ideas instead of like, you know, what defines them in their current role at their current company. So kind of being able to speak outside of your role in your company was really exciting because sometimes you go to these big conferences and you have, if you're on like, you know, the supplier side, you have a list and you have to come back and, you know, be able to say, oh, this is how many leads I got. And now we're going to have this many conversations. And that's frustrating because instead of having organic and genuine conversations, you're just trying to meet this quota. And then on the brand side, um, you know, what did you learn? Did you go there and find this kind of supplier or whatever your, you know, your kind of goal is that you had to get that it kind of puts a blinder in front of just that organic conversation where you're really getting somewhere and discussing ideas and you just, that really what, that's why we're in this career, you know, fine or in this industry is because it's exciting. It's what we love doing the ability to think outside the box, find new things, what's out there. And that was really happening and there was no restrictions on it. If it wanted to go left, the conversation, then it did. If it wanted to go right, upside down, then, then it completely did and everybody got something out of it, um, you know, and felt just even just as in their soul, like they were full, like in the end, and their brain got to, you know, turn a different way that it normally doesn't get to. So that was really exciting to see that happen and just, and nobody felt like they were talking too much or too little or, or anything. It was just really a shared experience among everybody. And I think everybody was really, really excited at the end. Awesome. And so while I have you, uh, what a, can you talk a little bit about the, the size limit and the 50-50 buyer supplier um, kind of thing and how, how you guys came to that and kind of the reason behind it? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I'm sure we've all been to um, any conference or any kind of a conference where there's so many people that you don't even get a chance to um, connect with them or have that meaningful conversation that kind of, you know, goes offline or it's cut off from this or there's too many people or you have to go to another session. So, we, um, 100 people is a really good amount of people to segment into our different workshops that we do, whether it's four at a time or six or, or the whole group as a whole. Um, it doesn't feel too big, it's not too small, and it really gives us the opportunity as well to make sure that the right people are in the room, because it's not just a hundred of any event marketer, it's, you know, making sure that they have the experience, that they're, you know, senior level, that they're like-minded, um, and that can change from conference to conference. Say, at one location, um, there's a big, you know, majority, there's a lot of CEOs. So, uh, for example, at this um, hot Dokimazo in December, it's in San Diego, we have a 20-person CEO, um, it's very private, it's just them in a room, um, and they're sharing, you know, their thoughts, ideas, and experiences on topics that are completely relevant to those CEOs. 
and more than 20 people would be too many. Less would be not enough. So that's where we came up with the 20, but the 100 is, it's just a good amount of people that, um, you know, we're able to make sure that it will mesh well together. Um, you know, and as we keep growing, although we might have more conferences or they might turn into something else, we really feel strongly about keeping the 100, um, you know, the people 50 brand side and, and 50 um, you know, partner side. That was actually my next question was if you were going to be, if you were thinking about expanding it. So I'm one of those people who had FOMO because I, I didn't even know about it last year. I was like, wait, what? wait, what is this thing? Who's the, there? She's there and he's there and wait. What? I, had the, I had the same experience. Wait, what is this, what is this thing that's going on? Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. So, um, so Jen is our um, moral marketers, but Jen's our, uh, she, she focuses on social. And so, um, I wanted her to, to ask you some stuff about that, about how you marketed it and, and uh, kind of the things that you're doing that with channels and all that kind of stuff. So I'll let Jen. Yeah. So um, I had never actually heard of an on an unconference before this experience right here. So it's really, really interesting to me and it brings up a lot of questions um, in terms of social and marketing your events via social media. Um, are there any channels that you guys feel that are more successful? Any online communities that you find stem from this particular experience, either before or after and during? Um, Liz, I'll let you start. Yeah, I think we're still toying with what the right mix is. The, the first event, you know, like you said, no one had ever heard of it. Event people are terrified of unconferences. So trying to market it and see if we could get 100 people to show up together, we were like, well, I don't know. The whole thing is an experiment. Let's see if anybody shows up. So we had 87 people show up. And we were kind of thinking, well, maybe we'll just end up getting last minute people from Austin and they'll gather together and that'll be fine. We'll see what happens. But they were from all over the country. And a lot of it was, you know, my network, Nicole's network, and Tom Spano, who's our third partner in this, his network. And it was, you know, kind of friends of friends of friends and people that were willing. We had a couple of supporters, um, a, a company called Notion Live and uh, Amp Slide, and a few folks that just came forward and said, hey, we think what you're doing is really cool and we'd love to help you out. And so it, it really spread through word of mouth. So this next conference, based on the feedback we got, is the first time we've really tried to market it. So right now, a lot of the marketing has been through email. We've done some Facebook stuff, but just through a Hot Dokimazo page. We haven't done any paid social yet. Um, we have Instagram. We have a pretty awesome Instagram account. So check that out at Hot Dokimazo. That one's really fun because it's just so visual and that's what events are all about. Mostly our brand voice is just to pose questions and to poke at things in the industry. Like I posted one today because I'm at an event here in New York that the venue was just freaking covered in columns and we had a huge stage and 500 people in the room. And so the post was literally like columns. What do you do with columns? Right? So it's just conversations that you have with each other about events. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really awesome. It, it seems like there's a lot of potential that could stem from that. So that's really cool to hear about Liz. I, I'm really intrigued by that. Um, so you said that you have a page, is that just a Facebook page? You said Instagram is obviously awesome because you're sharing like a story uh, of your different experiences, real life um, stories and, and things like that. But is there a certain one that works better for you guys for a specific reason or is it going to depend on the event or kind of just like the momentum from the community itself? What do you feel about the performance on, you know, which page is probably the most beneficial for you? You know, my gut feeling was that Facebook was going to be the page because that's where I see people gathering. But as you look across event communities online, nobody engages on Facebook. It's, it's very interesting, at least in this, this kind of setting. You know, it, it tends to be a lot of sales. Or Same thing with Twitter. Twitter, at least for event props, I feel like has really become a content sharing machine rather than a conversation device. And Instagram is the same thing. There's not any conversation going on for us anyway. So we're sharing things and I think we're creating questions, but I don't think we're conversing. So that's something for us to go figure out. Do we need to extend the conversation socially or do we just use it as a, a, a conversation poking platform and then get people in person to talk? Because the whole point of Hot Dokimazu is talking to each other. Yeah. yeah I mean, and I think, oh, go ahead, Nicole. 
Yeah, I think um, part of the exclusivity of the event also um, is is part of, of, of the lure. So we've gotten phone calls. We had a couple big brand names register and, um, you know, we think we can say, oh, I think they heard about it this way, but until we, you know, ask them or they attend and, hey, how did you hear about this? Until we get those answers, you know, it's, they're kind of coming from all over and I have not received one negative, like, oh, that doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. If anything, there is definitely a waiting list for next year. Um, we have three locations for next year, and it's kind of like the Miralago of events. Everybody, you know, it's invite only. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, people apply for an invitation first, and then we review them to, again, make sure that we have the best 100 people that, you know, would go well with themselves, um, you know, within that, that conference and that location, and, and we go from there. So, the um, you know the fact that we are very very selective on who comes is very alluring. Everybody wants to come, and not everybody can come. Maybe to that specific one, or at all, depending, or not yet. Um, so it just you know, really depends. So it's nice to have um, you know I mean that that behind us is that you know I don't know of another conference that you know has anything like this that is just. You, know, you have to receive an invite or you have to apply for an invitation. So that is definitely in itself, like unspoken marketing, is, in my opinion, um, that's very attractive to people. A little bit of scarcity around the 50-50. Be the first ones in. Hurry up if you miss your chance and you miss your chance. So yeah, she's right though. Most of the, the, the feedback we've gotten from people that can't go is, oh, I have an event that week. You know, so when's your next one? And that's where we've talked about just starting to break it into an East Coast, a Midwest, and a, a West Coast to kind of get into a rhythm of hitting regional areas, but going around the country. And then what we really want to do is something that we're calling a family reunion. So in January of 2019, only alumni of past Hot Dokimazo can come to it. And that's where we scale. So your question earlier, Megan, do you want to make it bigger? Family reunion can be the 400 people that have come to the others. It may be fewer because people are going to be repeats, repeats for each HD, but we'll see how it goes. But we really, we want to pick like a family reunion type venue and do s'mores and like, let's, let's nice. experiential on it. That is so that's awesome. awesome. I love and that's that idea. where we also, we can also do our, our, all of our, Hey, you know what we should do? That would be so crazy ideas. Exactly. So there's a lot of, a lot of amazing and top secret things in play right now for that one already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nicole, speaking of your uh, crazy ideas, so any of these innovative concepts that you guys either are trying at this event or that you've seen other places, how do you then sell these ideas to your actual customers? So, you know, in Liz's case, your internal customers at your day job. In Nicole's case, you know, you're at your clients. Um, so, Nicole, do you want to start with that? Any ideas on how you're trying to get these innovative ideas out, actually out into other events? Um, that's actually one of the first conversations that we had was, you know, if, if this works out, could we, how do we take a piece of this and carry it into our then, you know, career for our clients or into our companies or, you know, for whatever. So, um, you know, trying to find what the model is or, you know, the bones have you. And then, of course, you can add the meat and all of that. Um, trying to figure out what that is where we're kind of in that stage right now. And then, you know, thinking, okay, this is a pretty great working model. And then you just essentially apply it to other verticals or within your, you know, organization or to your other clients. But, you know, that's one of the greatest things about coming is take these ideas and use them. We do not want to have anything that says, oh, that's just ours. Um, you know, that definitely keeps our juices flowing as well. Hey, look, they're doing this over there. Great. Well, what else can we do? So we always want it to be evolving, but, you know, we want it to be the idea of saying, like, you know, free, take one, you know, right. <laughs> for ideas, for how we did it. Um, we do not want to keep anything just for ourselves and just grow this empire kind of thing. The point is to share it with everybody and have everybody use it and change the face of, of conferences, even if it's just individually or on a grander scale. It's totally an idea incubator. And my the one that I always wanted to try at an event, I could never get my executives to agree to it. I was like, we're doing this at Hot Dokimazo. And it was phenomenal. And I'm so excited about it. And one person is actually coming to the December conference because he heard about it and wants to see how it works in action to see if he can use it at his events going forward. And that's our, our welcome breakfast that was just it's my favorite thing ever. Can I talk yeah. about it? Can I tell you? Because I just love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, tell us more. Yeah, I was like, is it a secret? Can you tell no. us? No. <laughs> it's, 
And I don't know that you can pull it off at scale, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. So my biggest pet peeve with conferences is the registration process. I think that it's the first experience you have at a conference and it is the most isolating experience that most people have. You either go stand in a line and get handed some stuff and then go stand in a corner and look at your phone or look for people you know, or you have a completely frictionless environment where you walk up to an iPad and push a button and you don't even talk to a person. And I just think that it's backwards. So what we set up was the, the registration is at a restaurant, an actual restaurant, and you come in and it's a hostess will seat you. And the hostess is one of us or one of our volunteers. And we don't do big name badges that tell people where you're from or anything. It's a literally my, hello, my name is sticky name badge and you write your first name only and then the hostess seats you at a table and if you were the first one to arrive the hostess actually sits down with you and you start having breakfast and as people come in you get they get seated at the table with you and the tables just grow out and out and out until the whole restaurant is filled up and so you've created a tribe first thing at the event and as rest the as breakfast ends everyone stands up and moves over to the beginning of the conference and you've made friends and you feel like you've got your tribe for the rest of the conference one of the most impressive things in austin was we um for an hour and a half and you know event people were always on our phone nobody looked at their phone for an hour and a half it was amazing like i think that was the most impressive thing was looking out and seeing that not one person had their, you know, their face down towards their phone. They were all just talking. They were even getting up and moving and changing seats to meet new people. It yes. was just amazing. And we had a videographer <laughs> there taking images. And when we went back to look at it, anytime we did see someone on their phone, it was because they were showing their phone to someone else. It was like, look at this picture. And they were taking selfies. Yeah. It was amazing. So this is like the, it's like the new, the new uh, measurement for, this is your new ROI, right? Or ROE. Like, right. how much were my attendees on their phone? Because if they weren't, then you know you're successful, right? Like then you know people are actually engaged with each other, you know, in, in person. Exactly. Um, you know, so that's, yeah, that's amazing. I love that story. Well, Elizabeth, um, I was just going to say, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Fresh Dinner. Mm -hmm. The Meeting Design Institute. Do you know uh, this organization, Liz? And oh, Nicole? tell us. So Martin really? Van Est, it's his organization. It's European-based. Uh, Amsterdam, is that where they are? I think so. Yeah. Um, and so they have, uh, they'll host dinners at other conferences like at IBTM or IMEX and um, they try to do some different stuff and, and they, um, like this one, this is kind of off the wall, but they blindfolded us. Oh, I've heard about that. Yes. Yeah. So we, we didn't know what table we were going to and then you ended up with people and then they had a, some sort of reason to switch tables. So after the first course, then they did like, oh, all the men, you know, I, yeah, I think they just had like all the men move and all the women yeah. stayed or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so then you ended up, yeah, sort of being forced to talk to other people and it made you not sit just with the people that you knew. Mm -hmm. um, the blindfold thing was a little freaky. I'm not going to lie. Like I was a little <laughs> bit like, am I trusting, trusting these people? <laughs> um, that might've been a little too much, but it, I, I think it still worked out. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, I think it still worked out great. Yeah. Um, As a result, Elizabeth and I didn't sit together. <laughs> right. Right. So again, right. That was the point, right? Don't sit yeah. with the people you already know. <laughs> right. <laughs> So that was good. So, um, so Liz, I wanted to ask you, uh, I'm just, I'm just so impressed with everything that you do. You have a full-time job. It sounds like you're doing consulting work. You're just launching this new event. I think you also have a family. You know, we haven't talked about, you know, any of that here. So what do you do to just, you know, keep yourself organized? I mean, is it really just about kind of having a routine and a schedule? Like what, give us some tips for accomplishing as much as you do. Yeah, uh, everyone asks me that. And I think it's really weird because I like I look at Elon Musk and he's running Tesla and he's running Solar City and he's running SpaceX. And I'm like, he has the same number of hours in the day that I have. So I can't complain. <laughs> I have to, you know, you just, you, our lives are in 30 minute increments when it comes to the, the day job because conference calls are just like back, 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 back. So, you know, I, I get up at 530 and I have my coffee and I, 
you know, kind of get into the day. I check my Trello board and see what are the things I need to get through today. And do I have a 30 minute break where I can run do another phone call? And I mean, you said consulting. I don't do a ton of consulting. I just kind of answer some emails at night for people. So that one's pretty easy. Um, Hot Dokimazo, the reason I love it so much is it's a really light lift. It's a freaking unconference. I don't make an agenda. All we have to do is make sure people show up. So it's really easy to do. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and corporate event marketer is, is that, that whole building a course. So that's something that I am trying to work on. And that's something I do at night. So after I put the kids to bed, then I'm trying to build out um, a, a solid educational course for event managers to understand marketing more. Because that's the problem. That's the gap that I see in career trajectory for corporate event managers. They get stuck in the kind of commodity level event management role and can't figure out why they're not getting promoted. And so I want them to understand that it's not about changing your job. It's about changing how you talk about your job, using marketing terms, using business terms, and providing value to the business. And so that I'm really passionate about. And so I make time for that at night. It sounds like that's why, well, because you, you left a high profile brand, right? To go out on your own for a little while. I, I went to another oh. company. I didn't go out on my oh, own. I thought, so. I thought you did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because of, because you're so good on Twitter and everything. Like maybe that I just thought you were, because of, <laughs> because of your activity, I thought you were, um, you had your own. You're good at personal branding. <laughs> so we assume yeah, you work for, sure. for yourself. Oh, right? for, sure. for sure. Well, and Nicole's no slouch. Nicole's got a lot of stuff cooking too. You're, you've got like some, some festival or some, tell me, tell me about what you're doing outside of your company and. Well, so we, um, I feel like I have my toes in a lot of pools <laughs> as, as we all do. And especially with, um, but I, outside of Pink Pineapple, um, I also coach a synchronized skating program, um, which is pretty exciting. And we skate at 4.45 in the morning on Sundays. So that's how I fit it in. It's the earlier, the better. Um, and then as far as the festival, that is, um, it's for the Little Italy Association in San Diego. Um, and it's, you know, pulling together, we've actually created the largest luxury Italian festival in the United States. So it's coming off of a 26 year tradition and now we're starting something new. So that's, um, you know, the mindset change, especially for, you know, little Italy who kind of, you know, it likes things the way that it, it has been, it's been um, you know, difficult for some, but very exciting to most. So um, bringing in a new festival all together is, is very exciting. I'm working with brands from Italy and all over the U S has been, you know, really exciting as well. And, I feel like Liz and I have a few flame projects that we do together on the side too, but I always say, you know, whatever brings you the highest level of excitement, you know, you have to find an outlet for that. So having my fingers in, in all the, in all the pots, I guess, um, gives me the ability to, you know, set, let some leak out over here and some leak out over here. So at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, yeah, today was a crazy day, but I feel happy and I feel like I, I got to do what I love to do. I feel the same way. As long as you're having fun doing all these things, then there's, there's no reason to back down on any of them. Some of them are going to make you money. Some of them are going to make you happy. Some of them are going to, you know, help you meet new people and bring one conversation to another that you never thought was going to connect. And that's, that's, it's fun to have variety. For sure. Nicole, uh, the festival is, 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 so it's outside of what, when is it? And tell me, I live up the hill. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I mean, it's, this um, isn't a San Diego local show, but just for curiosity's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's October 12th and 13th, but um, we actually have people from all over the world that are going to be attending. So it's definitely outside of San Diego, although it's in San Diego. Um, and it will have about 40, um, you know, luxury vendors to um, include some, some high-end, uh, or no, not high-end, but high-profile chefs to be, to be announced maybe in January. <laughs> and um, it, yeah, it should, be, it should be fun, but anybody, anybody can come. Well, we have some high-profile chefs in Little Italy, so I can guess maybe what a couple of them might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. Well, um, I, we already talked about expansion. Oh, you mentioned having different um, locations next year. Now, will that be like, like if I wanted, if, say if there was one in Wichita, Kansas? That's where Jen lives. Um, they're actually are amazing. Do you, Liz and Nicole, do you know about 1 million cups? No, no. It's an entrepreneurial group that like, apparently there's one in San Diego, but it, 
it does pales in comparison to the one in Wichita. Um, so they meet every every Wednesday morning, I think, and they have um, really great speakers. And um, anyway, I, I went to Wichita recently in part because I wanted to visit Jen, but also because that she and her tribe do such a great job of branding Wichita. Like it's just such a cool little city. And so I had to see it for myself. Um, so, um, but so if I was like from San Diego, could I could go to another area? Oh, yeah. of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. I, I see, I see and that I think, as being a draw. Like people want to be close to home if they have to be, but I think they'd like to go elsewhere if they, you know, if they can. Well, I yeah. mean, the big thing we found is that the suppliers are not geographically bound. Like they're going to travel anywhere. It's the brand side that you're probably going to get a lot more of the, the local folks to each event. And it's, it's really difficult to try to get some East coasters out to San Francisco for something. So we've got to give them an option. And we didn't want to just do one a year because the feedback we got from the last event was my God, you guys need to do these every quarter. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, go ahead. So as I say, one thing that um, is, I think, cool to know that, um, you know, that we haven't talked about is kind of our take on sponsorships. I feel like we've turned the tables. That's, um, you know, one of my focus areas within, you know, Hot Dirty Mazo, but um, we call it an unsponsorship. And so um, the feedback from the sponsorship side and people that want to be involved in, um, you know, what we call unsponsorships. And the feedback that we have from the attendees as far as interest is, in my opinion, almost the same. So that's pretty exciting where we, I have more people call in than I ask, you know, people to, to get involved. So what we do is we say, you know, if you have a tech, you know, a product or even something in development, like come here, this is a safe zone to bring in our way. Or if you just want to, you know, be a community sponsor where, you know, you're just helping us pay for things, um, you know, we give you so there's no packet. I, I think you know when people say, "Oh, send us your packet." I say, "Actually, you know, we don't have one." What I'd like you to do is just get a sense of what our conference is all about. And when you feel that you know you understand it, then you come back to us and tell us what you'd like to do. Because I don't want to tell anybody else how they should feature their product and where they should go and what's important to them. So we don't have any of that kind of information. It's completely an open conversation where they say, "Hey, you know." we've always wanted to try this and we've always wanted to do this and you know, do you think it would work? And pretty much for the most part, our answer is always like, yeah, sure. Like let's, let's figure it out. Let's put it in there. So we really want people to, you know, present themselves and try things that they're not able to because of other kind of restrictions. Um, so we don't really have any here, which is nice. Um, and that, that interest in itself has made it a lot more attractive because it goes well beyond, okay, your logo goes here you get this and then blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, there's no packages and, and that's been exciting to see what has come through both monetarily and, you know, in time. Interesting. So they decide how much they want to give you and they decide, mm -hmm. and then, and then in terms of exposure, right, that's the magic word. Like what's, how yes. much exposure am I going to get? Like, so you're not doing anything? Well, they decide what value they want out of the conference and how much that's worth to them. So Correct. if they just literally want their logo on a website and they want to give us 500 bucks for it, okay. But that's not, that's not our game. Our, our game is, oh, well, they've got this new data platform on events, API integrations, and they just want to understand how event managers might think about purchasing it. So maybe all they want is the opportunity to speak in one of the sessions, knowing full well they may not be the one that gets picked, but they just want to be there to do that. And to them, it's it's worth paying for two attendees, like a brands, like they will sponsor two brands for us. So they're willing to give us $400 and they just want the opportunity to speak. So maybe that's what they offer us and we go evaluate that with the other opportunities that we've been offered and we're like, that sounds amazing, let's do that. Wow. Yeah, and it can go all the way up to, you know, hey, you know, we want something much more in depth and we want a relationship with you for the next three conferences. And maybe that conversation starts at $15,000. So it really, you know, depends on, you know, what they're looking for, what they find valuable. And a lot of it actually takes them longer than they thought because they've never been able to do that before, is to go and decide what they want to do and then how much they think that's worth. And then our conversation starts. So that is, um, it's, you know, it's a little shocking to them and it's exciting, you know, 
kind of in the hot dokimaze way that they get to, you know, flip it upside down. So that's kind of where we, you know, decide to call it the unsponsorship as well. Wow, that's really cool. Um, so can you think of any um, anything that you took from the last one that you used in your own jobs? Liz, you go first. Oh, see, I asked for these questions in advance so I could think. <laughs> Sorry. Nothing. Nothing. I told you I wasn't going to ask you anything you didn't know the answer to. But sometimes it's sometimes it's it takes you a little bit longer, I guess, to like because that's it, it's kind of a deep it's kind of a deep question, I guess. It is a deep question. Okay, something that I learned at the conference. Um, you know, one of the things that we tried at the conference that I haven't been able to fully, fully execute on in my real job, but was at the end of the event, we did a live group retrospective of what happened. So we had two microphones, one for what we call the deltas and one for the pluses. So everybody kind of gets up in a line and goes to the plus microphone and tells us all the things they loved about the conference right there, live in person in front of everybody. And we have it up projected on a Google doc and we're taking notes and we're capturing all the good stuff that happened. And then they start on the Delta side and making their recommendations of, you know, here's what I would change for next time. And here's what my favorite one since the event, we love to hold the events at children's museums because it provides that open, engaging, playful environment to set the stage for it. So one guy was like, yeah, could we have adult sized furniture? <laughs> That's my yeah. favorite. But, I learned to always have adult place furniture. But, but one of the big things is, um, for me, getting that feedback immediately on site. Too often, we're just exhausted from the event. We're ready to go open a bottle of wine and go home. But just take the 10 minutes at the end of the event to walk around and go, hey, real quick, like top five things that you just loved and top five things that you really think we should change and take some notes on that. And I honestly, my real job, never done that before at the event, you know? So it was, it was meaningful to me to get the real-time feedback. That's killer. Well, and that's something that social media provides too. So on the larger scale, like if you could apply, you know, thinking of thinking in that, that in terms of that, like making sure that you have staff dedicated to like Jen. So Jen um, works for social media examiners, one of her clients, mm -hmm. and they put on social media marketing world. Phil mm -hmm. Sean is her He's boss. Coming. Yay. Yeah. So we'll just to connect the dots um, <laughs> here. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, in fact, I, I saw him, uh, in, in the summer and Tahira and Dean happened to be in town and I, and I, um, went to the symphony in the park with her and her husband and my friends and, and then Phil happened to be in town. I said, well, let's meet up. And so Tahira and Phil and I got together and, um, social media marketing world's one of the best events that I attend. And Tahira is one of my favorite people. Um, and she just always she thinks so wide and deep. Like she's not, she's the least surface person I know um, in terms of, of, of business and conversations. And um, I, I have you gotten, you have to get her book. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Uh -oh. I'm reading it. Um, Intentional event design is the name of it. Give her a little plug. Um, but uh, anyway, so I said at that, at that time we started talking about this um, conference and he's like, can you get me an invite? And so I followed up with um, Nicole after that. Um, so, um, word of mouth, but also anyway, they just do such a phenomenal job and Jen's on the community management team for that conference. And they do a great job obviously throughout the year, obviously because they're, they're, they're on social media, right? Like that's their, right. that's their jam. Right. <laughs> that's what they're supposed <laughs> to be doing. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I think Jen, like, what do you think over the years um, in terms of uh, the, real-time feedback that you're getting about things going on at the conference. How, how do you think, do you think that, uh, that that's increased over the years in terms of people reaching out or what, what's going on for you guys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've, what we've seen is it's really interesting. The affect is always really, really positive. There's every once in a while, you know, question about, I thought there was going to be a bus available to take us to this party or whatever. There's that kind of thing. Or there's questions about, Hey, which room is the speaker in? But, um, but as for activity, we've noticed quite a, a, just a hair bit of a drop on Twitter. But the, the interesting thing is last year we started seeing more people utilize Instagram stories, you know, to help document their real-time experience um, at, at the conference. It's, it's been really interesting to see that. And so now we're kind of developing more content for this year, more creative ideas for this year's conference um, to help enhance that for everybody and for all the attendees that are going to be coming and for the attendees that are attending virtually, you know, 
So it should be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how, I mean, everybody's like, how do you extend your reach? How do you do this kind of stuff? And, and I, I want to do a Facebook live or an Instagram stories or a Snapchat stuff, but the, the unconference, the way that you sit is just in a circle with each other. And I feel like it doesn't provide production value. So it's, you, you're not just putting one speaker on the stage. So how do we create a social engagement? And maybe it's using zoom. I understand you can do breakout sessions in zoom. So you can actually pick four people and go stick them in a private zoom room and then bring them back and have it so maybe there's a virtual concept we could play with yeah well you could also have somebody designated to be your storyteller right like throughout the day to be there right. they're engaged in terms of like listening but they're they're not there with the purpose of of like contributing and pulling something away they're there right. to, to tell the story of what went on throughout the day yeah and that'll also create some FOMO so one of my dreams is, you know, we called Hot Dokimazo a, an idea incubator. Um, one of my dreams is to also have it become a career incubator because I do a lot of mentoring with young professionals coming up and, and Nicole teaches at the college in San Diego. And, you know, we're, we're always talking to these young kids who are like, okay, I graduated, hire me. I'm like, oh, okay, well, what have you done? Well, nothing. <laughs> okay. Internship or whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and an unpaid one at that. And yeah. you know, most of us remember that our first year out of college, we had our first job. We thought we could do better. And so we quit it within a year. And so what if we could create a career incubator that was a one year job, but it rotates these young professionals through the four stages of event management. One of them being sponsorship and partnership sales and management. One being event logistics, one being audience acquisition and marketing, and you know, one being content and speaker readiness. And, and so you literally do it by quarter. And at the end of the year, you actually got them paid. If we could get you know, four sponsors to help pay <laughs> for this career incubator and these interns could be or these they're not interns they're real professionals they could actually be available to the companies that are sponsoring it to do small internship like projects and help get them some real real experience and by the end of the year you now have young professionals who have had one year to work with you they've learned how an unconference works and they are now free to take that into the world as an incubator for ideas for the companies they're going to go work for they have a paid job on their resume and they've got the full year of experience that's my dream that's amazing. That's I I I think that would be that would be incredible. Hey Nicole, what's your um response to you've had some time to think about it so you have an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Something you've learned that um you've been able to apply in your own job. I think just the way that the conversations happen within, you know, the topic rooms or breakouts or whatever, you know, pods, <laughs> idea sessions, um the way that they happen and the fact that there's not like there's not a, you know, a speaker per se. There's not a keynote speaker. There's no, even in some of them, and most of them actually, there's no, you know, technology used as far as like slide presentations or anything like that. So the way that the conversation happens and how that's facilitated was really interesting because I didn't think that you could keep people on one topic or, you know what I mean? Like going from one topic to another and having that be okay and not feeling chaotic. So I think that, um, you know, sitting in them and actually led one of them, um, you know, at the, at the Austin hot doggy mazo and seeing how that works. That's absolutely like, I've actually taken that into both um, the client side for my business and into my, um, you know, with the athletes. So, um, you know, and just how to facilitate a conference where they all feel like they're the speaker. They're, they're the one that's important. They're like, or the idea behind that is to feel heard and feel, hotel like okay we have to do this and we're going to try this and writing notes and then implemented it right away and it worked and it was amazing just so just to see what happens because of that was you know wow and to now be able to focus on you know creating conversations like that all the time throughout the year in all over the world in the United States is so fun yeah yeah, and I'm really excited. I, I haven't even attended yet. I'm already excited for the alumni event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when I was in sales, I wasn't, I wasn't that person who was just just trying to like meet a quota and like I was meeting people and and having conversations and getting to know people and um, 
and you know, I let them know what I did, but I, but it was like, it was just based on those interactions then that I got opportunities. And so that's the kind of salesperson that I was. And I didn't get as many opportunities as I would have thought, but I still did pretty well. Um, and, and, uh, it's, she got it's me not, as a client. Right. That's her big joke. It's like, how did, how come you decided to work with Megan? Cause I bought her a beer. Cause she bought me a beer and I was like, Oh my God, I love you. I'll totally let you uh, do my AV. Yeah. Well, that's her preparation because I saw who was coming and I, I looked at the list and I was like, I know who I want to talk to. And I started a conversation with her and I bought her a beer after an MPI event. And then it just kind of went from there. You know, you, 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 you know how it is like you click with people or you mm -hmm. don't in life and in work. And right. so it was like, we got along and then, you know, it, it, it worked out. And then here we are like, uh, it was interesting because I um, I got the opportunity to talk about her with with someone last week, and all the questions were really funny. And this is one of the things that I told him about the beer thing. But you know, he, he asking me if I trusted her, and all, you know, if I think she's funny and if she's fun and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't hang out with people who aren't so right. Get that. associate <laughs> with people who aren't fun. <laughs> right. No. Um, so anyway, awesome. awesome attracts awesome. That's how it works. There you go. Right. And now here we are. We have you know we're co-hosting a podcast together and um, having great guests on like y'all. So okay, we're we're yeah. So we're coming to close to the end, and I have some um, few questions I want to ask. Um, and in this case, I'll have Elizabeth answer it too, in addition to our guests. So. Um, Nicole, I'll have you go first. What excites you most about the events industry right now? Um, I think it's, it's, maybe this is selfish, but I use it as my personal like idea testing ground where let's do this. It, you know, I think I've created this environment just in my own um, career path life where um, you know, I don't, I don't think my life is one place and my career is another. I've been fortunate to create something where it's the same thing. So when I get an idea at 10 o'clock at night um, and, and it's awesome, then I can go and implement it the very next day. I don't know if that has to do with owning my own company or what, but it's just, um, you know, I think it has a place to live. The things in my head have a place to live. And, and I'm seeing people go through their careers with all these ideas in their head and they never get they never get to have legs and they don't get to go anywhere. So um, I think about the event industry in, in general is there's and even branding and marketing and there's so many outlets where my crazy ideas can go and live and be profitable to either myself or somebody else that when you can combine something that excites you, um, you have a place and a, and a vehicle to do that. And then, you know, you can make a living off it as well. Like, I don't know what's better than that. So that's what, excites me I think about the events industry very cool Liz what about you well let's see how I can state this properly without stating it so um, the event industry isn't the oldest profession but it's the, probably the second oldest profession right I mean it was yeah. before yeah. any communication tools it's how people got together it's how people sold things it's how people you know cooked for each other and, right persuaded yeah. ideas and got people to vote for each other and I feel like we went through this really dark time where um, the industry as a whole was like, well, events are going away. It's all going digital. Everything's going to be a webcast. We're never going to see each other again, cut it all. And now we've made it to that point where people realize that events are valuable. They're not just the L in PNL. Like there's, there's a reason for that purpose and you can combine it with digital and you can just reach people at a scale you've never been able to hit before and I think that's so exciting all the technology all the data and all the actual conversation that can happen now I'm very excited about it I totally agree great <laughs> answers both y'all okay so the next one is any new tools or programs that you're using that you would like to share Nicole uh, I think amp slide is is what we we really started uh, we used it a little bit in um, the first talk, Dokimazo, and we're actually going to now, it's expanding into being able to be a crowdsourcing tool for us. And so um, that is a super exciting software where you can, it's uh, cloud-based, and so no more, do, you know, a cool slide, you know, it comes up on a keynote session and you have to get out your phone and take a picture of it. That's kind of the soon-to-be old way to do it. Now, um, you know, being cloud-based, you can literally access 
up to the point where the speaker is um, in the presentation. You can access that slide and share it to any of your social media channels immediately and also be able to do, you know, Q&A and that kind of thing. But say there's a question that you really like, you can press a heart, uh, you know, to like it and it moves up in the session. So at any point, the speaker, whoever the moderator can look up and they're like, wow, everybody wa really wants you to answer this question. So that's, you know, kind of live and exciting. But I think the ability to share that on social media immediately is, that's what, you know, it's so exciting. And I probably just did a horrible job of explaining it, but seeing an amp slide is, is my new, my new tech phase. That's cool. I like it. Um, Slido does a similar thing where in a session you can, you can ask a question and um, people upvote it. And so, mm -hmm. you, you know, like other people in the, in the session can, if they, they'll ask the questions that get likes from the most people within the session. Yeah. 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 So Elizabeth, what's your, uh, what's your new hot tool technology thing that you're happy, excited about? So, um, you know, I actually re realized recently that in my January you know, trends blog post, I had talked about chatbots being one of the new technologies that was going to start, you know, potentially disrupt our, our industry. And I've kind of been keeping an eye on what they're doing. And I'm pretty excited about the idea of chatbots for events. Um, in fact, there's a company called Sciencio that has a product called EventBot, and I think that I love them so much that I might actually go and work for them in about two weeks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so much for a teaser. She just, she just gave the farm away. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's, it. Just, just event, just event bots. That, that's my new technology that I think is cool and I'm excited about. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have to do a show dedicated to that to explain how they work. And right. it's, it's, it, you know, tech is so hard for people to wrap their heads around anyway. And so I think that's something especially that people are like, what? It's going to answer a question when no, no one's even looked at it. Like, how does that even work? I don't understand. So, um, yeah. so um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Very very cool. Um, and Liz, what's your um, hot tool program thing you're, you're using these days? You know what? Have you ever heard of Mural? Yes. I love Mural. I mean, it's basically unconference on screen. It's just sticky notes you can move around, do design thinking conversations and share ideas. And I, I love Mural. So it's also art for your home. Right. I mean, so uh, for those listening who, who might not have heard of it, uh, I'll try to explain it and then you can supplement if I don't explain it well enough. They, um, I actually uh, did some work with Trade Show Internet and we exhibited uh, in the Innovation Showcase at Infocom, which is the AV show, um, and Neural was in the booth next to us. Um, and so the idea is that it's basically, it's like, it's a it's like a computer monitor, but it's in like a really pretty frame. So you can send pictures or you can send really any content to it. So you can have it up on your wall in your home and and have it be like, you know, season based. And the pictures that come up on a day to day basis are like based on the season outside or, you know, it can be different pictures of your family. But, yeah, you can use it for conferences. And it's like a it's like a like a post it board on steroids or right. something, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. I love hearing that from you because I didn't, they weren't, they were obviously at an AV show to pitch it to people doing events, but they weren't really talking as much about the event possibilities as they were about the, like just showing art on it and stuff. That's so, so I felt like their demo could have been better. Yeah. We, I mean, we use it at IBM, the design thinking labs, you know, use it as, as a tool internally and, um, I just, I think it's the coolest thing and I think that we should be using it for more. It's really a, I hate to use the word robust. It's a terrible word, but it's like a robust tool. There's a whole bunch of really cool stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I am so happy that we were able to pull this off. I, I, I neglected to mention in the beginning that I'm actually in Lisbon, Portugal, um, and uh, on, a, on my way to Event Tech Live and the Event Tech Awards uh, for my client Event Collab. Um, next week, they're shortlisted for a Best Event Management Platform, um, which is really exciting. So, shout out for Event Collab. <laughs> yeah. So on my way there, I decided to come out a little bit early and take a few days of vacation that are kind of vacation, but 
I'm also working. So um, I'm really glad that this worked out timing wise and that um, for the most part, technology did not fail us. So thank you so much, Liz and Nicole. I really appreciate you being on and um, sharing your insights. And I, of course, look forward to hot Dokimazo, December 4th and 5th. How many spots do you have left? Oh, I think we have 14 openings remaining. Okay. And do you so, know the split between buyer and, and supplier? Um, we've now completed the suppliers because we have a few suppliers that okay. are bringing two or three from their companies. And so they filled those spots up. And so I've got 14 brand spots and I actually have eight that have told me they're coming. They just haven't completed their registration. So it might not be 14. It might just be six. Okay. All right. So check we'll it out. Hotdokimuzzle.com. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And on the, on the Twitter and the Instagram and all that good stuff. Um, we as marketers have to mention, mention that. Thanks also to my crew and our producer, Mr. Corey Moss, and we will see you next time on making a marketer. 